Let's hear you do it, Southend, because this is it. Dr. Feelgood. Dr. Feelgood live in 75, a South End gig just along the coast from Canvey Island in Essex, where the band had formed four years earlier. In both look and sound, the Dr. Feelgood band were, unlike most other British groups of the early 70s, they played short, sharp rhythm and blues with suits and haircuts to match. Lee Brillo was the snarling frontman, but the energy of the band was driven by manic guitarist Wilco Johnson, who jerked around the stage playing his instrument like a machine gun. Since being sacked for musical differences in 1977, Wilco has rarely been far from the live circuit, but now illness has forced him to announce a farewell tour. Wilco Johnson has terminal cancer. When I arrived at his house not far from Canvey Island, he was waiting with Telecaster in hand. Basically, what I've got here, I'm, I'm, I'm holding on this chord of G. Now, right. I, don't, I don't do a chord of G like that. You don't like, do the bar chord? I don't do that. Um, I so, simplify it. Now, ah. now, if you lift your fingers up from the strings, of course, you, the strings are all dead. Like that. Like. Now, any time you want to press your fingers down, you get a... Like that. So you can, you can put these... You can put these stabs in where you like just by lifting the fingers up and down. And it same goes good for, for riffs, you see, you go... All the time, the right hand is doing this. Down, up, down, up, down, up, down. Absolutely regular as clockwork. Starting with a riff, say for the one for I don't know rock set, where you've got that down, da 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 da. Now, what, what then suggests it's really funny, the got, girl called Rock Set? Well, I'm listening to a Coasters record, a Coasters record called Turtle Dubbing, and it's got one of these do what bop bop ba do da wop bop bop ba do like that. Yeah. And I thought, oh, I'd love to write a song like this, and so I sat down and I wrote. Rock set to go with it, and he used to go ba doo da wop ba 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 doo da wop. I saw you out the other night, ba ba. And then we're sitting in the studio, and I just suddenly got this boom 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 boom. And there's rock set. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in there all the time. I'm giving it all away, but that, that, <laughs> but they all listen. It's very very simple. You've never wanted to explore uh, other parts of the fretboard or possibly even other sounds that you could get out of those pickups? I'm afraid not. <laughs> I saw you out the other night. I saw somebody hold you tight. What made you pick up a guitar in the first place? Can you remember? I was at school one day and went into a different classroom and leaning against the desk... I was sitting at was an electric guitar, which obviously somebody was making it in woodwork or something like that. I don't know, but anyway, I was absolutely fascinated by this thing. I suppose I pestered my parents for the next Christmas or something, and I got and I got an electric guitar. Then when I went to university, I I just quit playing. I didn't play for another four or five years. I didn't think I was ever going to do it again. Because you were doing medieval history at university. Uh, English, but uh, I did concentrate on... I, I was very keen on medieval literature, you see, Anglo-Saxon. and I didn't exactly go back to music. It kind of came back to me. I mean, I, I, I finished university 
I went out to Kathmandu and everything, as was fairly compulsory in those days. The hippie trail. Yes. When I came back to England, one day I just happened to bump into Lee Brillo in the street. We knew each other vaguely. He had a band at that time that needed a guitar player. And we started Dr Feelgood. We were playing Canvey Island. We would sometimes venture up to the big city in South End. But generally around this the Thames estuary area. And during that couple of years, I think we, we evolved a style of our own, the way we put it across, you know. There was a lot of this uh, energy and violence in what we were doing, which I think it all sprang from Lee, actually. He was a very violent character. And I'm not a violent person, but um, he, he just had this suppressed energy about him. You say it stemmed from him, but you must have fed off each other, particularly on stage. And when you look at... People can see it now. If you look at videos of the feel-goods on stage, you're responding to each other the whole time. There's an interplay between singer and guitar. But if you look even closer, you'll see that I'm responding to him. There's a song called I'm a Hog for You, Baby. There's a film of you performing it at about, I don't know, 75, 76. And it's got an amazing one... Virtually a one-note solo that you take all the way through that. Just before you take the solo on the film... Lee turns to you and holds up three fingers. Is that an instruction for you to take, I don't know, three cycles of the 12-bar yeah, structure? We do, we do three lots of 12 bars. I mean, I, even just that, we always did those three verses, right? So uh, Lee's just getting in, we go on the old three verses, you see. He's not telling me to do three or anything like that. But that solo that you take, it really sort of epitomises your style in a way. You're playing very often the notes that you need to play and no more. I enjoy doing this, this thing where somebody's going dang, 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 and you think something's going to happen, right, man, and nothing happens. And then do another 12 bar, and it still keeps the same, and another 12 bar, and it keeps the same. By then it's become hypnotic, but you think, you realize, no, man, I ain't gonna, I'm going to stick to these two notes because that's... Uh, that's quite enough. When you went in to record the first Dr Feelgood album, Down by the Jetty, that was essentially, you were capturing the sound of the band live. That was what you were doing out in the clubs and the pubs, and you just set up in the studio. There's no overdubs on that record, are there? Yeah, no overdubs at all. You know, I got in terrible trouble about this. Once they got the thing where you got 16 or 32 tracks available, it meant, it meant you could alter anything. Once you had uh, recorded something, you go, oh, I didn't like that guitar, so it's OK, we've got another track, stick another one on and, and, and stuff like that. It also meant you had to separate everything out. Everybody's hidden behind barriers. You, you, you go, well, what's all that for? And they go, they go, oh, separation, separation. I go, listen, man, you walk out, in, you walk out in the street, you walk out in nature. Where do you hear separation? You don't. Sound is all mixed up. That's what makes sound. You know, but that, oh no, we want separation, separation onto all these discrete tracks. I didn't want to do that, and so I insisted that we set the group up in the studio as if it were on a stage. And we played, and that was down to the engineers to record. It's their job, for God's sake. Not, you know, I'm still sure to this day that that's the right way to do it. Wilco, you were diagnosed with cancer at the end of last year. You had to cancel some gigs. That must have been a big shock, wasn't it? Well, I've got pancreatic cancer. I noticed 
symptoms earlier in the year, of some, a few months ago, which took the form of it. There's this lump in my stomach. I treated it by um, ignoring it and hoping it will go away. Anyway, when I went in for the diagnosis and the doctor told me, you've got cancer, and it was quite plain it was an inoperable thing, that there was nothing they could do. We walked out of there and I felt an elation of spirit. You're walking along and and suddenly you're vividly alive. (laughs) Walking along and you're looking at the trees and the sky and everything and just, wow. I mean, I, I, I am actually a miserable person, you know, and I spent most of my life moping in depressions and things. And But this had all lifted. And when we, we went a few days later to see the specialist who told me that I've got nine or ten months to live and if they gave me chemotherapy, they could might stretch it out to a year. <laughs> so I said, no, no, I'm not doing that. I've... Uh, I just want to know how long am I going to feel like this, which is which is absolutely fine, and I'm certainly not going on stage if I'm sick. If the cancer kicks in before that, then I, I can't go on stage. I'm not I'm not going to go on stage looking ill. I don't want to don't want to present a sorry spectacle, you know. <laughs> but um, but you're going out with defiance. This is I mean you're billing it as a farewell tour. So many bands, so many musicians talk about the farewell tour, and then they're back again a few years later. But of course, I mean you know you've got well, no choice. Well, I've got no choice about that at all. No, you know I can't go on singing. I did it my way for another five years or something. But then again, that's the, I never did do it my way. You know, like I just I've just always just drifted. I am a feather for each wind that blows, you know, and the, the wind's blowing me this way now. And, and you know, naturally you sit thinking, wow, why didn't I work this out before? You know, like, why didn't I work out before that, man, just the moment you're in that matters, you know, that that, that uh, worrying about the future or regretting the past is just, it's just such a <laughs> foolish waste of time. But, of course... You know, we can't always be threatened with imminent death, but it probably takes that to knock a bit of sense into our heads. But right now, it, it's just fantastic. I mean, I'm, I'm, it, make, God, it makes you feel alive. You're just walking down the street, you feel you really feel alive. You feel every little thing you see, every every sort of cold breeze against your face, every every brick in the road, you know, it's just... There it is. You think I'm alive. I'm alive, and and, and uh, I ha- I hope I can hang on to that. <laughs> you don't strike me as a maudlin or a sentimental person. You're kind of practical, pragmatic, phlegmatic in a way. But when you take to the road to do these gigs, it, it's going to be very poignant, isn't it? In some ways, but then again, I am a I am a complete show off, I suppose. And I can remember what the the last of the gigs we did last uh, week in. Uh, Japan was in Kyoto, and this is uh, it's a fantastic club in Kyoto where we've played many times. It was packed to the gills, and on this in this club, there's a it's in an old wooden, it's in an old sake factory actually, a wooden building. Oh man, all the people have played there. Anyway, the, there's there's a kind of uh, exposed staircase that runs up from the floor up to the upstairs that, where the dressing room is. And the last number we did was was um, Chuck Berry's Bye Bye Johnny. 
and we're going, we're taking down really quiet. And I'm waving, I'm waving, going bye, 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 bye. And all the crowd are going bye, 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 bye. And we're, we're all waving to each other, going bye, bye, bye. And and I'm kind of and I'm walking up these stairs, going bye, bye, bye. And everything. I mean, you could see people with the tears in their eyes and everything. Me, I didn't, I, I didn't have a lump in my throat or anything. I just thought. This is show business, you know, do, doing this uh, this bye bye. This really rubbing it in. I didn't, I didn't feel at all upset. Well, then naturally, uh, in the next uh, couple of days, I had a few very poignant farewells with people I love there. You know, like you, you're standing in the street in Tokyo, and they're getting into a taxi, and you sort of go, "Well, <laughs> well, goodbye. I'm never going to see you again." You know, and that, that's in some cases, quite hard to do. You seem remarkably accepting of your fate. I can honestly say this thing I've got is one of elation, and, and, it, and it's going on and on. I, I, don't, I don't plunge into despair when I go to bed at night. I never would have guessed that it would feel like this. I mean, my wife died eight years ago from cancer. We, we'd been together for 40 years, and I love her... I still love her um, and, and still miss her tremendously. I've had to accept that. And that, that was probably the hardest thing I've had to accept in my whole life was, the, was that she's gone, you know. Um, I, I, I still... I'm still prone to burst into tears thinking about her. But, but I'm, I'm, I've never come anywhere near that thinking about myself. <laughs> You're going out with a bang, really, aren't you, with these mm. gigs? Really, so, so I just, I just hope, and I, this position I'm in is so strange, you know, that I do feel fit, and yet I know that, that death is upon me. I'm not hoping for a miracle cure or anything. I'm just hoping it spares me long enough that, that, to do these gigs, then I'll be a happy man. And and I've had a, I've had a, I've had a fantastic life. When I think, when I think about the things that have happened to me and the things I've done, and and everything I think anybody anybody that asks for more would just be being greedy so don't want to be greedy <laughs> Wilco thanks very much thank you the great Wilco Johnson those five farewell gigs around Britain are planned for between the 6th and the 10th of March details can be found at the Front Row website where uh, you'll also be able to download this edition of the programme soon after we come off air <laughs> 